Welcome to Godpod. This is a podcast from St. Paul's Theological Centre in London, based at Holy Trinity Brompton. Mike Lloyd and Jane Williams join me, Graham Tomlin, in talking about theology, life, God, and just about everything else. Well, here we are again, and uh, welcome to Godpod number 51. I'll wait till the next bottle of champagne. No, it's a bit worrying, really. Probably just as well. I think we were all talking rubbish when we were drinking champagne. <laughs> You've been talking rubbish for all 50, haven't we? <laughs> um, in fact, actually, we did get, we did get an email about, about uh, number 50, which said, um, I'm listening as I write this to the 50th Godpod. Well done on getting this far. And one thing I would say is I was slightly worried by your decision to have champagne to drink during the Godpod. Not because of its being champagne, but simply because it doesn't make a good beverage for dunking biscuits. Um, which is a good point, I suppose. I don't think we tried dunking biscuits in our champagne, did we? It's nice that people have got the mood of Godpod, though, isn't it? And realise that what we really want to do is dunk biscuits. That's right. I think, I think me and Matt are just wondering at the moment if we're in the right place. <laughs> exactly. I'm wondering where the biscuits are. It's <laughs> a very good question. Without biscuits today, we've got coffee, but no biscuits. But we have got dried pineapple. If you, if you don't know Mike, you must realise that um, either he wears very outlandish clothing, which he's not today, actually. He's looking very um, sort of ordinary. Uh, or he eats rather strange food. And uh, he is quite likely in the middle of a meeting to bring out a sort of box of very strange nuts and berries and um, bird seed. <laughs> All that kind of thing. But anyway, um, so we're sharing our dried pineapple with Mike today. And well, Mike is all. sharing his with us. Exactly, more, that's more true. to the point. That's true. <laughs> that is organic fair trade yeah. dried pineapple. I haven't had any yet, actually. You, you, I wouldn't mind, actually. Thanks. Very kind. Um, anyway, as, as Mike passes around the dried pineapple, we are uh, delighted to welcome to Godpod number 51 um, a couple of guests. And uh, the first is Paul Cowley. Who, um, hello, Paul. Hello, Graham. <laughs> Paul, is, um, Paul heads up. Um, the uh, sort of social transformation ministries here at Holy Trinity Brompton. He's been involved in uh, setting up a thing called Caring for Ex-Offenders. He does a lot of work with prisons. Um, there's, a, there's a huge amount of stuff. Sorry, that rustling in the background. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Mike's Mike pineapple. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Paul and Matt are used to disruption exactly. in the work that's that right. they do. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Look, I've got a very nice bit of dried pineapple. <laughs> Uh, and um, so, Paul, it's great to have you with us. That's and fantastic. Thank you. Very good. And we've also got Matt Wilson. Hi. And uh, Matt is, um, Matt's been involved for quite a long time in uh, the Eden Project up in Manchester. And uh, for this year, he's down in London. That's right. Uh, working with Paul and with HTB, setting up uh, projects within estates here in this part of the world. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, it's, uh, so we'll be talking around some of the work that they do. And uh, so that's the plan for today. Uh, before we do get going, Mike had a little, um, little offering, I think. Which was different from the um... private eye. Somebody has noticed uh, two clippings from local newspapers or news gathering organisations in Kent. Uh, and the first is from the Kent Messenger of the 11th of January. The Archbishop of Canterbury joined Thanet's Greek community at a decidedly chilly blessing of the seas on Sunday, January the 10th. Dr. Owen Williams was the special guest at the 46th annual religious event during which the congregation also thanked the sea for giving up its fruits and looked ahead to a productive year of fishing. Kent Mester, January 11th. Uh, this is kent.co.uk, 12th of January. Thousands of dead crabs have been washed up on the planet coastline. 
Volunteer coastal warden Tony Sykes was the first to report the mass of dead velvet swimming crabs that washed up near his patch on Westbrook Beach on Monday, January the 11th. Environmental experts were mystified. So anybody else who wants some help with their fishing, they know (laughs) who to contact and when. Jane's husband is very good at that. Um, So anyway... um, Matt and Paul, tell us a little bit about what you do, especially with um, the work you do on estates in London and elsewhere. And um, Matt, do you want to start off with that? Yeah, and I suppose it's uh, it's probably important to clarify for the listeners that when we use the phrase Eden Project, we're not talking about a biosphere in Cornwall. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident that we got in there first as well. I'm sure yeah. that, we're, well, we, didn't, we weren't the first to come up with the name of Eden, but uh, <laughs> I anticipate that moved Slightly me right up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the uh, painted it, I think, that <coughs> as uh, as a uh, sort of a charitable endeavour, ministry endeavour. Yeah, Eden. Uh, 1997 was when we uh, really commenced uh, something of a. Uh, well, looking back on it, I uh, I tend to refer to it as, as pragmatic insanity. We knew we had to do something different, uh, and the different thing that we did, uh, a lot of people told us that we were crazy when they found out what it was. And, but it's simply, it was we were working with a lot of young people uh, in the inner city, primarily at that time in schools, through uh, the band, uh, sort of uh, dance music group that was around at the time that some people will remember. No, they were called the Worldwide Meshes Tribe. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, some people will still remember them. Some of us are trying to forget them. And uh, But, they, you know, it was incredibly, uh, an into- a really intoxicating time of uh, seeing many, many young people uh, really becoming uh, fascinated by Jesus and wanting to follow him. But those in the inner city that we were encountering in these high schools, that many of these high schools at that time, you know, mid to late 90s, were in a desperate state. And... Uh, we knew it needed. It was going to take more than uh, simply, you know, an hour in a classroom to affect mm. any kind of significant behavioural change. We needed to really be drawn alongside these young people. So a bunch of us decided, let's move into the community. Every other house was boarded up in this, this particular community where they were living—a big council estate in the south of Manchester. So uh, that was the that was the origin of uh, of our Eden project. Was uh, was actually to sense this call from God that uh, we needed to relocate our entire lives to. Uh, to enable to get inside the world of these young people and bring transformation from the inside out. At the time, Eugene Peterson had not published his uh, paraphrase of the New Testament, the message, but uh, I wish he had done because the way that he translates John 1.14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. That has become something of a mantra for us now. It wasn't available to us at the time. We were just jacked up on... Joshua chapter 1 and taking the land mm. but uh, we've revised our theology since then and perhaps okay. we'll talk a little bit about that this morning So no pineapple plants in the biosphere <coughs> No, sadly not no. So why did you call it Eden? Eden is in most people's mind you know, the, the, the primal garden the, the place where the real world um, yeah. isn't and, and some of my urban ministry buddies as well rib me about that because there's something of an irony of having this kind of uh, of a ministry mm. venture, yeah. which uh, has these sort of nuances of environmentalism and gardens, and, mm. and yet, you know, my passion is for concrete and tower blocks and, and things like that. Yeah, um, mm. I would say now that it's because we've got a very, very strongly defined theology of place mm. and the importance mm. of place. And the first place to be named in the Bible is Eden. I got mm. that from Eugene Peterson's mm. "Christ Plays in Ten Thousand Places." Mm. Uh, which also wasn't published at the time we started. Mm. So no, Eden mm. comes from. It was at the time it was a little acronym, 
standing for evangelism and discipleship and something else. But we, oh. we dropped that quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a good name, though, isn't it, I think, Eden? Isn't it trying to turn these places that are dark and yeah. you know, mm. full of um, lack of hope and all, everything and desperate mm. into places that... Uh, yeah, well, there's that prophetic theme from Ezekiel chapter 36 yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, those places that were laid waste have become like Bound the Garden places. of Eden. Yeah, there's a, the, well, it does, um, the restoring theme. Yeah, and it, it sort of evokes ideas of, you know, memories of uh, of life before the fall and what it might mm. be one day yeah. when that is restored or, or, a nice or, or place completed. To be. Yeah. Think, um, think place to be. Is, is kind of what it's saying. Yeah. It, yeah. It acts as a protest against the distorted way in which things can get yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just yesterday actually, I was I was chatting with a colleague of mine, and we were talking about uh, how do we uh, how do we make people know a little bit more about what we're doing, and have, we we got into a conversation about branding and that kind of thing. And I I once heard somebody say that uh, a brand is someone's gut feeling about you. Mm. Uh, so I, on my on my Facebook status, I, I just put up on it. What's, what's your, you know, what's all my friends? What, what's your gut feeling when you when you hear about Eden? And a, a theme that was coming through there was uh, that it's community as it should be, mm. Uh, mm. and that was uh, I found that very interesting. Yeah. So all of that um, stuff that you've been doing in Manchester, Matt, I mean, how does that link with what you've been doing in London, Paul? Because you've been here in London working in <coughs> sort of all kinds of different environments for quite a number of years now. What's the connection? Well, we're both from Manchester. That's that's the main <laughs> We just want yeah. to see each other. It's an old boys club. It's an old boys club, but it's just a way of um, like the God Pod, so you can get together. Jobs, <laughs> jobs for the boys, really. <laughs> and, go, and girls, and girls, and ladies. Well, oh dear, I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, well, Eden's been going for a long time, and um, and the estate you started on, I think, um, in, in Withenshaw, is mm-hmm. um, is where I, I lived for a while as, as a Manchester lad. So mm-hmm. I've always had a a link with Manchester. I mean, not that's to do with, with Eden, but it's just interesting how God takes you back sometimes to places uh, that you try to run away from, which I certainly did a long time ago in Manchester. So the link is HTB's been involved in, in social action, social transformation for a while. But I think we got more involved in it about three and a half, four years ago when, when Nikki took over from Sandy. And, uh, and, and if you remember, Nikki did a, a series of talks. He did three talks over three weeks, I think, on prisons, the poor and the environment and that was his sort of um, that's where he wanted to go with certain mm. things mm. and um, and the social transformation department um, was formed then mm. which had in it already mm. prisons the aftercare which you mentioned at the beginning CFEO mm. Alpha for Prison Alpha for Prisons Care Infect Offenders Alpha for Forces but then we started to, to move uh, in different areas we have a charity that um, Sandy was involved in called the Regeneration Trust mm which is down at the World's End in, in Chelsea. And I got asked to, um, to take over that as the chairman about three and a half years ago. And, and, and I looked at that, and again, it's an estate, which, um, mm. which I didn't want to be part of, if, I, if I'm honest, with, mm. with you and the listeners, because uh, there's lots of sort of stuff that went on in my past. But then I, I fell in love with it. And, um, and uh, there's a great team down there of about eight of us, eight staff working with all the different churches. I think there's seven churches involved. Mm. And we looked at it as a, as a community. And then to try and change it and get more people involved and so doing different things. And, and then that started to grow. And, and then yeah. from that, we've tried to take that out. Or well, the idea was to take it onto different estates. Mm. And at the same time, that happened, I think, um, Andy Hawthorne and Matt had this, um, this thought about getting involved in, in London, moving mm. Eden from, from Manchester to London, which was a big thing for you guys, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. And at the same time, I wanted to get out onto more estates. And yeah. I think God just kind of yeah. put us together. Mm. 
that's brilliant. I mean, I mean, what, what are the? I mean, as you do that work, and I mean, Matt, you've been involved in this quite some time mm-hmm. in Manchester and Paul again here in London. I mean, it, do you find there are particular issues? I mean, obviously there are all kinds of practical issues that come up in terms of of, of this sort of moving into to living on an estates and working mm-hmm. from within those. Kind of, I mean, are there sort of theological issues that you find yourself thinking about? pondering wondering what the way forward is yeah, what are those sort are. of things yeah uh, <clears throat> i'll give you an example of one of the things that we've just been pondering recently um looking at uh, looking at philippians 2 looking at the kenosis hmm. and uh, by which you mean self-emptying yeah, of, of fr- precisely yeah yeah and the the, 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 the the way we've been looking at that has been uh, you know when it when it says in philippians 2 that uh, you know christ humbled himself taking the very nature of hmm. a servant hmm. Uh, we've been trying to reflect on that as a movement. Um, what does it mean to really have that fundamental, profound shift of identity of becoming mm. a servant? One of the things mm. that's happened culturally in the in the last uh, few decades has been the rise of the service sector. So many people working in service industries, uh, mm. so you know, customer service becoming a service provider. Mm. I think that mindset also creeping into church. Mm. So how how different are we? as people who are engaged in God's mission in the world, particularly in these places facing all kinds of disadvantage, are we just providing a service? Mm. Or is there something fundamental that we've responded to in terms of God's call upon our lives mm. to be a servant to those who are suffering, mm. those who are mm. broken, those who need uh, their dignity to be restored? Mm. Uh, and, uh, those those mm. kind of things crop up often, those kind mm. of theological questions. Mm. Are we just aping the world? Are we just another agency? Mm. Or is there something distinct and profound about our identity as Christians mm. that mm. that mm. makes the real difference? Yep. And is part of that, I mean, are you the one with the answers, the one with the gospel, the one who's going to go in and sort things? Or are mm. you actually finding God? Mm. Are you, has, has, has it transformed you, <coughs> this work? This yeah. Because yeah. Of course, you know, the estates don't have a monopoly of brokenness. Um, mm. no. We all, we all yeah. bring brokenness yeah. and also with our mission. There are gospel mm. insights about where we meet God mm. and actually being very well protected and and very um, secure and pleased with your own life. There are suggestions that that's actually the worst possible place to meet God. Yeah, I think uh, well, certainly in our in our naive early years when we first ventured into this. Uh, I think we probably did have the mindset that we'd we'd got all the answers, and uh, here we were coming coming to save the world. And uh, there's, uh, I could just get a little cheeky plug in for my book. You know, there is a chapter oh, yeah. in it called "Revival in a Fortnight," and uh, you know, it was the late nineties. As I say, it was intoxicating. There was this sense of revival's nearly here, and mm. we've just got to mm. proclaim the gospel. Mm. And uh, and we had to we had to learn how mm. to dig deep and dig into the community, and ha- learn how to partner with what the spirit was already doing in these communities mm. to find him at work and get in on his action, uh, and, and and perhaps not to see ourselves so much as the initiators of that action, but actually that by listening to the community, by actually sensitively uh, getting alongside people, we could really begin to discern uh, those special things that God's doing, those special openings and opportunities, Mm. uh, those kind of kairos moments that we could then seize upon as God's people who do have a special insight and a special revelation to Mm. be able to bring uh, God's future into Mm. the now. Mm. Which is what you mean by kairos, the Mm. Greek word Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, you know, believing that there is something of the future mm. kingdom that God wants to give birth to, and it is, it mm. is His chosen people who will be something mm. of the mediators of that. So it's so. an interesting um, kind of play that, isn't it, between those two themes? Because 
they're both true, aren't they? That that you know you do, and you bring something into an estate. You know, when you move into that, you you are the bearers of the gospel, mm-hmm. the bearers of the uh, 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 of the good news. Yet, what you say, Jane, is absolutely right as well. You also go as people who are yet to discover the gospel and have to learn it and 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 and, and learn it in new ways in in new new contexts and. And um, I suppose how, how you play that, you can see two extremes, I guess. One is the, is the sort of, you know, we've got the answers, let me tell you what it's about, you know, just sit down there and listen while I tell you. The other extreme is, well, we've got nothing really to offer, let us just sit and, and, and listen, and and, and um, we haven't really got anything to bring you at all. And, and how you play that, that, um, that sense of vulnerability of coming in, mm-hmm. not thinking we've got it all sorted out, but at the same time, not denying the fact that you you have you know that, that that christ has called you you are you know the spirit is upon me to bring good news to the poor and, and all that sort of sense as well so i mean I, I don't know if you have any reflections on how that that tension or balance or whatever it is yeah plays again out. i think you know places where we spend a lot of our time reflecting would be uh, you know john chapter one uh, mm. where, where christ came full of grace and truth mm. And uh, th- those are very, very important mm. qualities for uh, for us as the people of mm. God as mm. we take up residence in communities. Mm. That, that that spirit of grace is upon us. That, that mm. there is patience and a, mm. uh, about that. But the, the truth there, you know, we meet people who are uh, living in the grip of profound deceptions, mm. uh, which which you know we, we wouldn't be too strong a term to say of or you mm. know of the enemy. Mm. Uh, that they need to be liberated from, and that comes through a, a yeah. word of truth revealed in God's big plan and design yeah. for their life. And uh, that's one of the most mm. beautiful things, and, and the, the reason, really, and mm. for, the compelling reason for being involved is to see someone mm. journey out of uh, their deception and into the truth about yeah. them as a child of mm. God. That's mm. a beautiful thing. Paul, I think it was. I think you used the phrase um, about uh, a vision of society as it could and should be. Mm. And um, and again, the the question is, how do you how do you decide? How do you know what society could and should be? We none of us experience society as it should be. How do you do? You go with a, an idea of what society should be like, or is that something that you work on with well, the I people? That you're... I guess I'm basing my ideas on when I became a Christian. You know, and mm. I saw there was a different life to lead than the life I led before. Mm. So up to well, I'm 54 now. So up to 1994, I was leading a different life than I'm leading now, which was uh, which was a difficult life. I think. Well, it was. And then, then I was introduced to, to the Christian faith and introduced to Christ, and he changed my life mm. and then given me the ability to um, well, put a burden on my heart, I think, to try and love other people. I mean, like I mentioned before, it's not about me, but I was born on an estate. I went to prison. I've been through two divorces. Mm. I've, I've, I've sampled a little bit of pain in my life, mm. not, not, as, mm. not a lot as, as some people have. So the desire for me is to try and change that situation. I know how it should be, or I know how God says we should be. And, and it's not like that, mm. but it can be like that. And I think this mm. work, you know, we, we're just centering on the estates at the moment. I think these areas are, are, could be different. And that's not that mm. we come in like a crusade on, on, on knights on white horses saying this is what you should do. It's mm. not about that. I think it's really hard work. Mm. Because you have to, like the scripture that was mentioned, you have to move into the area. And one, that's not mm. easy. Mm. And, 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 and bless people. Mm. Unconditionally it, love them. Yeah. Is it, I mean, is it sometimes easier to identify what's 
what's what's the problem mm. in the sense that you know you, I guess I mean you'll be you know you both talk very well about that you know, some of the the, the the sort of social and personal problems that you encounter time and time again in 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 estates in terms of sort of lack of resources and jobs and and you know cohesion and family breakdown and addiction and, and all of those kind of things and you're aware that that's not how it ought to be um but in a sense there's always that sense of we don't quite yet know what will be because the future is still being but we kind of know what could be though don't we i mean you would know better than me we kind of know what what, yeah. what it could be like. yeah we, well we get a taste of that we don't get we get a taste of it don't yeah. we and then we get excited by that yeah. i think because we have enough of a taste of it to make us want to see something different we don't yet know what that no. will and the be in its entirety is it pockets of this how it shouldn't be yeah. you know if you get my my drift i mean society yeah. as a whole is broken mm. but it's kind of dispersed mm. yeah. and you get these pockets mm. of yeah. places that we're talking about you know yeah. be it manchester be it yeah. london be it newcastle <clears throat> or wherever it might be you get these these pockets yeah where you where you try and move into the area and so how do you do it paul do you go and <laughs> teach people the 10 commandments or i mean how do you what are you actually talking about what is this transformation how do you begin well i wrote four little things now can i can i just yes, please. Yeah. they're very quick and mm. they're just one-liners i think the first one i just put is because i was trying to work out that you might ask me that question <laughs> <laughs> um and the first unusual one for someone to prepare well i can see that now that you don't know <laughs> <laughs> for the coffee and the uh, harsh but true the first one i put was was bless them you know, and, and again, Matt would know more about this than me, really. I'm, I'm quite new at it. But to, to unconditionally bless people. So like the world's end, we, it's been there for 12 years, I think, and it's, it's hopefully... That's the name of an estate, the world's, the world's end. The world's end estate, yeah. It's got 5,000 people on it. It's three, three estates together, and we've got this little... Yes. That's very good, yes. yes. We should plan, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's quite the name yeah, the, the beginning and the end. But... The first one is wherever it is, is is to bless them. I think is unconditionally bless people uh, as Christians. That's what, what we're meant to do. Fellowship with them is the second one. I put that drawing alongside and sharing their stuff, whatever mm. it might be. Um, meet their felt needs, not our needs, mm. not my needs, mm. their needs. Meet them where they are mm. and where they're at. Um, and and in that, I've put lastly the fourth one is show them the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is not at the beginning mm. for me, where we mm. go in there with the Bible and everything like this, or the Ten mm. Commandments, mm. as you said. It's uh, it's mm. the bottom of the list for me. So it's bless mm. them, fellowship mm. with them, try and meet their felt needs, mm. and then through those three, show them the kingdom of God. So that yeah. sounds remarkably like what Jesus was doing. Mm. Well, I hope so. I'm on the right lines. The kingdom of God not being primarily a sort of message that you tick off, I agree with, but it's a, it's a, it's a way of life. Yeah, or a church. Or, yeah, or, or a way of, of, living, of living together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Living together. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know what Matt thinks, but I was just reminded of the Beatitudes as you were as yeah. you began well, your list yeah. with the blessings. Yeah. I, I thought, yes, exactly. You know, uh, perhaps to link that to uh, you know Isaiah sixty, that uh, there's, there's that sense that it's it is good news <coughs> to the poor, mm. and, uh, mm. and much of our engagement with people who mm. are uh, experiencing difficulties. It's not really good news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be good advice at best, sure. but uh, often it's bad news. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, one of the things on the on the estate in in, um, in London that, that I saw, we started something called ESOL, which is English as a second language. And mm. there's a, there's a lot of um, there's, there's a big Muslim 
population on the world's end, and and they're amazing actually. And some of the ladies, well, about thirty or forty of, of the of the wives have been coming down and going through the ESOL classes to learn English. And I was interested in that. Mm. And one of the main reasons that they wanted to is to communicate um, with their teachers, their, their children's teachers, because mm. they didn't know. What was going mm. on? And I thought that mm. must be awful mm. for your kid to go to a school and then not know what's going on, or mm. to go into a big store in London. Mm. You know the pace of life in London, mm. and not be able to communicate. So they came on to learn English, and then through yeah. that, mm. some of the the ladies there and and a few of the men are starting to come down. I've drifted onto Alpha Esau, mm. where we've just mm. we, we we just go through the Alpha course, but mm. as a second, and yep. it's just very interesting that you start at a different place mm. and then come and come down. But what about just thinking about this idea of social transformation? Because I guess there is a, um, there are, I mean, there, there are people who would say that that's actually not what we're meant to be no. about. Uh, either because, and I think there's probably two forms of that critique. One is to say, well, actually, no, we should be about evangelism. It's about sort of saving people from from sin and and um, the prospect of eternal damnation. And um, actually, this world is destined to be. Um, um, destroyed pass mm. to pass away so actually trying to kind of ameliorate social social conditions is really a bit of a waste of time there's another maybe a slightly more sophisticated critique which um comes out of a more sort of anabaptist um tradition you know someone like stanley howas or whatever as an american ethicist who would say actually well it, you know the church's role is not actually to sort of shore up uh, a, a broken and faulty world it's actually to exhibit uh, a completely new world and, and therefore, the church is meant to be a kind of alternative society, not trying to sort of patch up a something which is always going to be broken, a world that doesn't want to know God and never will want to know God. But actually, it's it's got to exhibit a new reality in its own its own right. And that's a rather clumsy way of putting it, but because um, it raises the question: you know, should we be involved in social transformation, and if so, why? And does that effectively become um, a kind of sanctified social work. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want, I don't want to be a social worker. I don't know if that's true. But I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't really want to be a social worker. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I want to work in that environment. So I do think there's a difference between social action yeah. and social transformation. Yeah. I think it's important that you know, as mm. we're motivated by our faith, we do good things, good deeds, and we help mm. people. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm. But it's, I guess, where you where you think you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an ordained minister, I'm also cure of souls, so yep. I'm slightly interested mm. in that, in that as well. Mm. Sure. As long as giving someone a, a nice cup of tea and a nice bed, I'm interested in their yeah. in their soul as well. Mm. So, how do you see the difference between social action and, and social transformation? Well, well, I might be a bit clumsy at explaining it, but uh, I think it's like I was trying to say where you where you think you're going to end up. It's looking where you think you might you might be. So for me, if, um, to, to, as a Christian, to give someone a cup of tea on, on a cold night on the embankment is really important. But if I just walked away after I'd give the, given the cup of tea away, I'd feel, I'd feel like I hadn't, I hadn't done enough. Does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, one example I, c- I could give possibly is mm-hmm. we, we, we got involved with, um, with the night shelter, uh, which West London Church's Homeless Concern, which is, um, which is seven churches that get together on, on the cold nights from, from November through to April um, and don't really present the gospel. They just open their houses, open God's house, open the church. And we got involved in that, but um, I just thought it wasn't enough. We were, we were feeding and bedding down and keeping warm 
40 men, mostly men and women, mm-hmm. and then letting them out at 7 a.m. in the morning and then hopefully mm-hmm. seeing them again the next week. And um, I felt a bit at a loss for that. So what we started here at HDB is we started a drop-in. Our night for the night shelter was a Wednesday. <clears throat> so we started a, a drop-in on a Wednesday. So they come to the night shelter, and then they can come to the drop-in on the Wednesday and spend the day with us, where they can get haircuts, the girls can get their nails done, they can watch a film, they can play music, they can, whatever. They can do whatever they want, mm. read the newspapers. Mm. So it went from the night shelter to the day drop-in, which they came to because they knew the church, they were comfortable, so they came on the drop-in. And then f- from from that, because it's at Spos, St. Paul's on so Square, both centres, they were comfortable to come to the service because it was in the same place, same room. Mm. So they came to the services. And then from that, they got to know the community. So from that, we encouraged them and they wanted to go on the Alpha course. And then mm. from going on the Alpha course, which um, some of them became Christians, they got involved in church, they got involved in home groups, and then we were able to talk to them, get them off the streets, with working with green pastures and get them into homes. So for me, that was a transformational line from starting with, with men who were not interested in God on, on the night shelter to being coming into somewhere warm in the day shelter to coming into a church, which was a, a difficult environment for some of them and finding the community that loved them unconditionally, meeting their felt needs, um, mm. encouraging them to, to get involved with the gospel and then and then blessing them by trying to find them accommodation and get them out of debt and different things like that and finding that line mm. and it, it, sounds, sorry, it sounds a little bit like um, one of the liberation theologians in uh, South America I'm not sure which one who said when I give a poor person food they call me a saint mm. when I ask why they're hungry they call me a communist yeah. <laughs> I've seen that this morning yeah. 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 one yeah. of the bishops yeah. Um, yeah. and is that the difference between social, you know, social action, giving somebody food, and social transformation, asking about the root causes and trying to do something about those root causes? Well, it's the root causes, isn't it? And it, I mean, Matt will have something to say on this, I know he will. But it's also trying to, um, trying to I mean, the cure souls bit. So, so it, it, it's God's job. The salvation is God's job, isn't it? And, and, and our, our work is, is to, to promote that and to encourage people to get, to get involved in it and to see it. I mean, Matt, how do you, how do you find that in the work you do with the estates? Yeah, in terms of whether or not we've got a scriptural mandate for it, whether it's even the, the, the role of the church to be dabbling in these things, uh, I, I must admit that's, that's never a, a paradigm I've even uh, you know, belonged to to, to, mm. to ever consider that. Uh, there may be an argument to not do this. Mm. Um, a, a, apart from sounding incredibly mean-spirited, uh, I, I you know, personally can't even see how that becomes constructed from Scripture, particularly from the New Testament. Mm. Uh, we've often, uh, because we, I suppose, uh, have a fondness for uh, just the simple language of, uh, of Christ in, in the Gospels, uh, particularly his parables, just return there. What, what kind of picture was he trying to paint? during his ministry and, uh, and looking at some of the parables where you talk about being yeast in the dough, um, looking at what it, what it means to be the salt of the earth, to, to be salty or to lose your saltiness, that mm. kind of thing. It seems to very much evoke, evoke that image of being people mm. who are en- engaged in, in the world in important mm. ways. Mm. Uh, and then looking at the community of the early church and the way it practised. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, how can Paul be writing and reflecting to the Thessalonians Using language such as you know, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel mm. of God but our lives as well, 
uh, it seems very mm. clear that uh, the the gospel was was embedded in the uh, sort of relational connection between uh, believers and non-believers, and uh, mm. you know it, it wasn't just an exercise in uh, passing on belief and ticking boxes mm. uh, and securing uh, somebody's ticket to heaven. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever. I don't think Eden's ever yeah. existed within that kind of escapist, mm. Mm. away we go kind of paradigm. Mm. It's very much rooted in, in, in the world here and now. And, and um, I mean, Paul, you were saying that you, that people um, gradually come into a community of the church where they are loved without, um, uh, without conditions, conditions unconditionally yeah. loved. But is that true? I mean, has this actually been transformative for the Christian community that you brought these people to as well, that we actually have to learn... That, to love as God loves us. Oh, yeah, no, it's really, it's been really difficult. What's been amazing here at HDB is the, um, is the volunteers. Mm. I mean, the first night, I think I mentioned I was going to set up this this day shelter thing. We had 150 volunteers, young things, very energetic, you know, excited about getting involved, uh, lined up. We had to do a roster mm. uh, for volunteers, which is extraordinarily privileged mm. to be able to mm. do that. Mm. But I think some of them were quite shocked. When they walked in and we opened the doors mm. and, you know, 120 mostly men come now on that Wednesday. And, um, and they come in all shapes and sizes and mm. quite angry and quite lovely at times as well, but, but difficult. But it's, so it's, been, it's mm. been transforming for our community mm. as well as mm. the people that are coming in. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, for me, it's a great way of discipling. Uh, you know, I'm saying the young things when I'm getting mm. older. The people who, who who are in the church now want to get involved. Mm. You know, 20, 22, 23-year-olds who've, who've led a privileged mm. life now sitting on the table with, with Fred from Birmingham, yeah. whose story that would make mm. you cry. Yeah. But so there's a discipleship going on mm. as well. And a learning it is. It's process. formational. It's, fun, it's, yeah. um, it's amazing. For all concerned. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it's one of the very striking things about Jesus, isn't it? That, he, that you know, Son of God here on earth, Wastes so much of his time with people who have no influence, can do, can't do his mission any good at all, yes. um, and we as the church just constantly ignore that, ignore where we see Jesus actually, mm. how we see Jesus actually working, and think we you know that we don't need to do it like that anymore. And I think that's always very dangerous. Mm. Thing you don't need to, to yeah, do it the way Jesus did. A lot of the volunteers say, "So what, what should we do? What should I do? What do I need to do? Yeah. Well, why don't you just sit and yeah. have your soup with mm. Jim, mm. and just let him talk or not mm. talk and sit in silence." Because just being there is mm. the blessing, I think. Mm. Jim mm. can't quite understand why, you know, a privileged mm. young person would want to sit with him. Mm. And, 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 and the person who sat gets so much by once that story starts to mm. come out, once the trust is gained, and then the, the stories mm. come out then. It's, you know, we are for a relationship, aren't we? Yeah. And, and actually we've all got quite alienated from whole segments of our fellow... Yeah, mm preachers and citizens and therefore to begin to have contact again yeah. is actually going to be mutually enriching I mean, mm. it's got to be it's got mm. to expand your understanding yeah. of the world in your understanding of mm. beings and and thereby your understanding of God, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's our yeah. stories, isn't it? It's the stories are so important. Our stories, you know. We, uh, a lot of our work is focused on teenagers who are you know, hanging around on the street and mooching around and, you know, in the, in the language of the newspapers, maybe being antisocial or, or mm. whatever they're doing, generally larking around, as I remember being a teenager myself. And uh, it's, uh, it's noticeable. We have to almost... Uh, 
train the, the folks that we recruit who relocate to the communities, one of the most difficult things they find to do is nothing. Yeah. Uh, mm. The art of doing nothing. Mm. The art of hanging around on the street and mm. occupying the same kind of space and just, mm. they, they call it mooching. Uh, mm. Just, mm. Yeah, this kind of being in a place alongside mm. people mm. without this highly geared agenda. Mm. Uh, it's profoundly uncomfortable. It's awkward. Mm. It takes time to, to gear down. It's like when you're driving down mm. the motorway and you want to overtake someone. You drop the car into mm. fourth, except you hit second and it goes... Vroom! because yeah. we've got such mm. busy highly geared lives mm. and actually drawing alongside those for whom mm. life is a, a different gearing at a different pace and mm. there's something of that uh, if we truly reflect on the incarnation the self-limitation mm. that is modelled to us in Christ that, that's, that's how we understand incarnational theology mm. that we have to accept some self-limitation mm. some self-emptying mm. so that we can mm get that equal meshing with those that we're trying and that to reach. in itself yeah. is kind of reflecting something of the nature of God in, in the way that if I mean I suppose in a, in a way you could say that God's being precedes his doing mm. you know God's acts come out of mm. who he is or God's you know God's being in relationship as, as Trinity out of that comes his his sort of mission to the to the world, and, and I suppose it, often for us, we almost feel like the other way around. We, you know, we, we, we find our identity in, in, in doing, um, and then find it very difficult when all we can we can't do anything. Um, and whereas it, yes. it drives me that sort of order is quite quite important. It's, yeah, it ought to be a um, creative tension. I think that's that's yeah. what we that's what we've found. Mm. Uh, and and one of the uh, the challenges for folks who join the Eden Network mm. and uh, move into community is maintaining that kind of rhythm of life mm. whereby you know there are some organized stuff in their diary some mm. activities they may be running maybe th- you mm. know they're doing some deliberate um mm. detached street work street pastoring that kind mm. of thing or running mm. some youth clubs or some groups in homes or this mm. th- so they've got a kind of a, 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 a something in their diary but then there's this mm. spontaneous stuff yep. of life mm. And how to keep that balance between the things that we're doing that we've got an organised dimension to them, where mm. we're, you know, in, in, the, in the language of the sort, the uh, you know, the kind of government agencies, mm. where we're tracking people towards some outcomes. Yeah. Uh, but, but similarly, there's this mm. kind of spontaneous dimension of friendship mm. and relationship and availability that we keep those. We try and keep those two things mm. deliberately in a creative mm. tension. Mm. And, and relationship community is its own point isn't it you don't need to justify it with anything else you know you're saying people kind of mooch around with other people and think i should be doing something but actually you are you're relating and that is what we are for and that is that is just its own value and it needs i suppose the whole thing needs a strong doctrine of creation as much as as strong as its doctrine of salvation and it may be one way of understanding the journey you've made from you know, what you're talking about your early days of yeah we're going to go in there and save the save the poor people in the inner city is like you know often that comes out of a strong doctrine of salvation you know we've got it we need to save the the world and the world is a bad place and, and we're going to redeem it um, to actually discovering you know, without losing that a sense actually the world yes there's bad stuff about it but it's God world God's world and these people we're dealing with are God's people in a sense they are people created by God and it's that you know your, your thing. So exactly, perhaps you yeah. were saying more than you knew when you called it the Eden Project. I think yeah. so. Exactly. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Exactly um, right. Anybody who wants to read Matt's book, by the way, it's called Eden, Called to the Streets by Matt Wilson. Um, and it's got a lovely bright green cover. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Everything we do is bright green. <laughs> Sorry about that. This yeah, lurid green colour with the garden. So, I don't think, yeah, I think that's where it came like from that. originally. Yeah. Um, we ought to come to a close because it's um, time to finish. And... Um,
We're going to get booted out of our little studio here Hopefully very right. soon. Well, we finished all the puck. Great chatting with you. And, uh, but we could, we could go on chatting for ages. It would be fascinating. So, um, Matt and Paul, thank you very much for coming Shall in. We a little, little plug for our website, possibly. Please do. Tell us about your website. Eden-network.org. Lots of resources and things on there. Little video clips and uh, lots of talks and resources and all kinds of things. Okay, so, so what's that? www. Eden-network.org Eden-network.org And again, if you go to htb.org and go down to Social Transformation, there's a page there that will tell you everything that we're involved in. I mean, uh, Matt's stuff's on there as well, but anyone yeah. in the congregation wants to get involved in anything around Social Transformation, very good page there. And one last plug for thing. One of my, one of my um, New Year's resolutions was to do um, a bit more blogging, which I'd kind of given up for a long time with. Um, but I thought, no, nope, I'm going to start doing a bit more. So um, I can't remember the. I can't remember the. the <laughs> it's got a blog. The but name can't of my, it is. Um, <laughs> my, my, well, I know the name of it. It's called. Um, it's called Here Goes. Question. I mean, you know, dot dot dot. But I can't remember the 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 the, the what, what the word is URL. So um, that's really helpful, Graham. It's very <laughs> helpful. So <laughs> if you no, nobody will go to that because they won't know where it is. Happy families, isn't it, Mr. Blog? Well, on that note, thank you, Michael. Um, thank you, Jane. Lovely to be here. And Mike as well. And uh, we will um, be back again for uh, Godpod 52 in a short while. We didn't, of course, say thank you to Paul or Matt, but there we go. We're very rude, didn't I? We did. I did. I think I did. Did I? I think I did, yeah. Anyway, in case we didn't, thank you, Paul and Matt, for being here. That was Godpod a podcast from the St. Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org.uk. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. Until next time, goodbye.